today on Edge Effects. I wanted to cross kind of those ideas together, this beauty in preservation in ice with some sort of preservation of the passing of time, and with the passing of time comes the extinction of languages. Edge Effects editor Helen J. Bullard sits down with glass artist Anna Lehner to learn about her work exploring communication, extinction, and the Anthropocene. In our first ever piece for Edge Effects two and a half years ago, William Cronin talked about Aldo Leopold's term Edge Effects, a term Leopold was using to describe interactions in the vicinity of boundaries. In that case, Leopold was talking about those special sorts of fringe spaces that we find at the edges of woodlands and places where food and vegetation tends to cross over a little bit. And Elena, I know that even from quite early on, your work was focusing around edges and boundaries as well, and the sort of spaces and in-betweens of things, but spaces of a different kind. Could you first tell us a little bit about your earlier work and what inspired you to make that? Sure, of course. Um, so my earlier work uh, really dealt with kind of interpersonal relationships, and then I made work that was very abstract, kind of based on that. So I would I would make prints and glass sculptures that were very... Um, had a lot of different planes and spaces within them, but were very... Um, I would say a little threatening, a little menacing, but it really was me growing up trying to work through, I think, ways of visualizing my relationships with other people Mm -hmm. around me. And so that's kind of how it translated in my work. But then I noticed as time went on that I started to use more and more natural-esque imagery to exemplify the feelings I kind of felt. So it started to to migrate towards more naturalistic forms, more geographical forms, mm-hmm. um, to personify those feelings. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's kind of where I moved to in my more current work. So. Yeah, and I know that your work has become increasingly more informed by ideas around communication and space mm-hmm. across species and across time, but also across extinctions of languages themselves. So I think particularly Native American geographies, Mm -hmm. but also birds. Yes, birds as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I, right before I came to grad school, I started to gain a really, um, an increasing interest in the land and what gets buried um, in my mind, both physically and metaphorically. And I started to um, move towards language and an interest in Um, research behind extinct languages or endangered languages. Mm. Um, And that first started out uh, being very broad. So it was every sort of language I could find research on, I wanted to try and start to make work about. And then now it's becoming more of an interest in um, things that are more local. And in the United States, that happens to be a lot of endangered or extinct languages are found within the realms of Native American languages, mm-hmm. um, just due to our political uh, past and um, how we've moved about. And with that, also animals as well. So 
um, just in terms of the bird, I'm really inspired by an artist called Rachel Berwick, mm-hmm. and she has done a lot of work with, uh, I'm going to butcher the name a little bit, so I apologize. <laughs> it's Maypore, I believe, or Maypore, and it's um, an extinct languages in which parrots learned um, and were able to speak it long after the people oh. who had spoke that language had oh. passed. So, like, that kind of stuff gives me goosebumps, and um, I think that's why I, I really want to make the work that I'm making. So you have some work in an exhibition at the moment that I uh, take, took a look at last week. Could you describe those? They're really beautiful pieces. Yes. They look like, you know, beautiful pieces of crystal or ice. Yeah, so I um, really fell in love with ice cores, as um, <laughs> which is oddly specific, I think, but I fell in love with that um, form of re- record-keeping uh, in in the terms of the fact that there's captured air, captured physical ancient air, and that hmm. those samples um, aren't their direct um, stand-in for, for all that kind of um, climate data mm-hmm. um, about the changes in our, in our atmosphere. So I wanted to, and at this time singing about extinct languages, and I wanted to cross kind of those ideas together, this beauty in preservation in ice with um, some sort of preservation of the passing of time. And with the passing of time um, comes the extinction of languages. And so that was where I went with those crystallized forms. So they're, they're inspired by glass, and they hold within each one of them stands for a year, and then within them records the date in which a language has passed. And so each one of those um, is kind of almost a memento, but it's more of um, and somewhat of a memorial because it it is quite sad, and so that there's not a lot of data there to preserve or to talk about the language, but to show this loss that builds from year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that piece that was in the show um, is just from the 21st century, and I'm hoping that as my di- the ideas develop and um, the glass pieces I make uh, maybe become a little more exact, um, that I can continue this, um, this piece to keep going back in time to mm-hmm. show how much we lose um, just in in different centuries and so on and so forth. But that might be, <laughs> I might end up with uh, hundreds and thousands of these cores, which I kind of. That would be okay. They're so yeah. beautiful. They're yeah. beautiful pieces. Oh, even, when, even if you don't know anything about it, they have such a ephemeral quality with the bubbles in them and the, and the mm-hmm. clear glass and the way that little light moves through them. But then, you know, but they're also really permanent objects being yes. glass. So Very permanent. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I was lucky enough to get a tour of your studio recently. And at one point you reached down and picked something up that you wanted to show me. And it was your own footsteps, black footsteps, imprisoned in glass. A little bit like amber. What did you want me to see in that piece? Uh, in that piece, I felt, um, I felt I was thinking more about my direct impact on the environment, quite literally so. Um, And with poetic implications too, I think it wasn't just me um, 
trying to be too, too literal, but I felt that that work came across. The work that those footsteps were a part of was called um, Anthropocene, and the footsteps that were captured in black glass um, were made to resemble carbon, and that they led into a doorway that I drew on the wall, an impassable doorway made out of carbon, hmm. so that it was kind of a show of um, a footprint that was mine that stood for, I think, many people, or what I was hoping to be just a general foot footstep leading into this doorway, um, really thinking about uh, my effect on the environment as well as our species mm-hmm. on the environment. So I think that that was where I was going with those footsteps. So. I teach contemporary art, and so there are a lot of conversations around you know, interpretation and the message that the artist is trying to kind of give. And I think art has a great capacity um, to draw attention to um, practices that might have seemed normative that maybe have become more problematic. And one of the really big power players in that kind of conversation that has become the environment and ideas around the Anthropocene. Do you see yourself as a political artist? I didn't at first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I kind of swore that off when I started doing abstract stuff, but I, I feel that in taking this step into communication language, um, what becomes extinct over time, I found that all of that is very political um, and is a good conversation to be had, especially in this political climate that we're in right now. Um, So, yeah, I I would say now I'm a political artist. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of it a couple months ago, but I would say now I think think so. Interesting. I think I have to be at this point if I'm talking about endangerment um, and extinction. So, yeah. yeah. And I think you're working on a new collaboration at the moment about international communication. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> could you just could you describe that to us a little bit and um, help us to understand maybe how those kinds of pieces of work and conversations help us to understand our own boundaries and geographies. Yeah, so I'm really excited. This work is working in tandem with um, some other work I'll talk about maybe a little bit later in the conversation about TAP. Um, But I have a friend of mine in Brussels, uh, Belgium, who her and I have been exchanging letters for quite some time, and they've just been on the backs of old artworks that we've made, usually (laughs) 2D artworks and Um, ever since we met at Penland two years ago, we've been writing back and forth and that's been really nice. And then an idea that kind of sparked in my brain, um, I really wanted to work on it with her because we've been communicating through letters and I was thinking about communicate, communicating through voice, but, um, somehow muddling that communication so that the viewer can only take part in the tonal elements of the conversation Mm-hmm. Um, but not uh, the information, so that only the two of us know the information, but um, the viewer would be not privy to that. Mm-hmm. So in some ways that our conversation is, I don't want to put it into terms of like extinct, <laughs> but that's just the way I've been thinking about. Um, and two, it's really quite beautiful that we're corresponding over an ocean, Um, and you know, we do send occasional emails, which kind (laughs) of, uh, disproves my point about the letters and, and that 
um, a little bit, but that's okay. But it's still um, thinking about her place, my place, and how we can interact um, in that much space. So. Mm-hmm. so I wanted to ask you about one last thing, Annalena. I think you're, you mentioned earlier you're learning to tap dance right now. Yes. How, what has that got to do with communication in terms of your work? Yeah, so I had Morse code filtering around in my brain for a while, and I was thinking about ways of communicating with my feet, and so I thought I could use a form of communication that has since lost its primary function uh, militarily and use it in a way to communicate with somebody else um, through dance in a way, with, like, literal language. So it might end up being something that is Morse code-esque, depending on how um, uh, either the performers I ask to perform for me or depends on how my tap experience goes. (laughs) So I just, my first lesson was on Monday. So um, I think that the project might call for, for other people to tap out the messages that I'm thinking of. So... The messages have to do with, um, one, my concerns for the earth, and then also some other letters I might write that concern some more emotional ties, and I might have somebody perform that out or try to talk through tap together. So we'll see where that goes. And so do you think that you're um, returning to the idea of feet and your contact with the earth as sort of emerging as something that's important to you? Yes, very important. And it's very new to me um, as well. I think in this first year of grad school, I've found that I'm moving away from my tendency to make objects and moving mm-hmm. more towards my interest in, in feet, where, where my feet touch the ground, what kind of space they take up, um, and, and how that could be important to my work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. The other day, I kind of, before I ever took this this tap course, I decided to tap out a message. Um, <laughs> so I tapped out in Morse code, um, hello, my name is Anna, period. Um, period. And I say period because you have to tap out the period, um, <laughs> which is actually longer than any of the letters that are in the message. But um, so I tapped it out on taps. And then there's another recording where I also tapped it out with glass taps. So it's a bit of a higher pitched sound. That was just to play around with sound differences mm-hmm. and what kind of messages I could get, which it might end up um, becoming much more fluid as time goes on. I'm looking great. forward to hearing more about that as you sort of learn more about TAP. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us on Edge Effects today, Anna. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. 
That was Helen J. Bullard speaking with artist Anna Lehner. Learn more about Lehner's work at annalehner.com. That's A-N-N-A-L-E-H-N-E-R. You've been listening to Edge Effects, a production of CHE, the Center for Culture, History, and Environment in the Nelson Institute for Environmental Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Today's episode was produced by Helen J. Bullard and me, Brian Hamilton. The music you're hearing is by Julian Lynch. Look for new episodes next month or have them sent directly to your mobile device or computer by subscribing to the EdgeFX podcast in the iTunes store. You can also find us on Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher. And as always, keep up with the steady flow of great content about environmental and cultural change across the full sweep of human history at edgeeffects.net. <laughs>